Well, this morning I was going to start with an illustration from Taylor's childhood, but uh, <laughs> turns out he's here, so I can't do that. I was um, reflecting on, on things that I have been taught uh, growing up, and I, I don't know if you have had it happen where you have had people uh, teach you something and um, then you later realized or uh, found out that it was wrong, what they taught you, or maybe what the, you thought you understood what they had taught you, and it wasn't until later that you realized, oh, that's not what they meant. That's not what they meant. I had it wrong this whole time. I was laughing with my brother over Christmas break. He was talking with me about uh, some housing projects that he had been working on, and he said, I was trying to get this thing through my front door and it wouldn't quite fit. And isn't that frustrating? It's just so close, but it won't quite fit. And so he goes, so I had to take the door off. And that was so much work. Because you have to you hold the door with one hand while you're using the screwdriver to take the screws out. And I looked at him and I said, you did what? He said, yeah, I know. The next week, I had some people come over, and the same thing happened. They, they needed to get something else in, and they went to take the doors off the, the hinges, and they popped the pins. <laughs> he says, it turns out that's a lot easier. And I was laughing at him, and then what happened from, to me last week, because I obviously know that if you're going to take a door off, you have to just pop the pins, and then it comes right off. But what I didn't know was how to put it on as a single person. Because every time I would go to put the door back on, I would hold it and try and keep my fingers out of the way, but, but line up the hinges and then have one of the kids or my wife or somebody drop the pins in while I held it very steady. And I watched somebody else put the, a door back on, and they closed the door. And it turns out if you line up the hinges and then close the door, the door will just stay there and you can put the pins in yourself. Sometimes it's things like that. Sometimes it's things like I had been, uh, it was ingrained in me as a child that if you stain your clothing, it must not go through the dryer. Because if you send it through the dryer, the heat will set the stain and it will never come out. Well, I didn't realize, I thought, well, heat sets stains. And then I got married, and I got, uh, you know, it was one of those things. You, you get berries on your, your shirt. And I went, ugh, okay. And my wife said, oh, pour, pour boiling water over it. No. If you pour boiling water over that, it will set the stain, and it will never come out. Turns out, with berries, every time comes right out, just pour boiling water through it. But it was something that I hadn't understood exactly what I was being taught, and so I had it wrong. Well, here in the text this morning, we have this same thing, that people have been taught something that they thought they understood, and they have it wrong. So if we could read together Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 10. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 10. And he called the people to him, this is Jesus, and he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles the person. This defiles the person. Now, if you were here last week, you know that Jesus has had an encounter with the Pharisees. 
The Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were the wise ones. They were the smart ones. They were the most righteous people. They knew how to honor God. And what they did was they said, what you need to do is wash your hands before you eat every time. Not washing your hands like we go, well, of course, you're supposed to do that, soap and water, get your hands clean before you put food in your mouth. That's not what was going on here. This was a ceremonial thing that was just sort of a dip in the water, shake it off, and it was, uh, that, then you would be ceremonially clean before eating. So the Pharisees had been... been uh, coming to Jesus and saying, we recognize that your disciples don't do the ceremonial washing. What's the deal? How come they're breaking the traditions? We have these traditions about how we are supposed to be clean before God, and your disciples, they're not doing it. What's the deal? And in Matthew 15, verse 1, they said this. The Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. They said, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not eat for they do not wash their hands when they eat. And Jesus comes right back at them. Well, why do you break the law of God? How come you're breaking the law of God? And he talks about that. And this is how he finishes with them. In Matthew 15, verse 7, he says, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So he just came right at the Pharisees. He said, what? well did Isaiah speak of you? When Isaiah was prophesying, he was talking about you guys. You say the right things. You act as if you are righteous, but your heart is so far from God. You are so disinclined to be close to God. It's all form and no substance with you. And after finishing with the Pharisees, he calls everybody else together, right? Verse 10. And he called the people to them. He'd already dealt with the Pharisees. He'd already rebuked them. They had come to rebuke him, and now he's rebuking them. And now he calls everybody else together, and he says, let it be known. I just want everybody to know here. Let's be clear about something. Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. That is what defiles the person. Can we just be clear about that? The Pharisees have been teaching you that you have to have these cleansed hands because if you eat the wrong things, if you do the wrong things, then that's going to defile you and that's not the way that it works. That's not the way that it works. It's what comes out of the mouth. That's what defiles you. He's just trying to make sure that everybody is cleared up on this. Because the Pharisees have had it wrong. And the disciples come to him. And they said, "Um, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Do you know that the Pharisees were offended? Jesus. Jesus, you've offended the Pharisees. There is, for these disciples, they have grown up 
They have grown up, their whole lives they've looked up to the Pharisees. Their whole lives they have looked at the Pharisees and gone, that is what we should aspire to. As followers of God, we should aspire to that. Look at how well they know the Scriptures. Look at how they dedicate their entire lives to following God. Look at how everything they do is a show of their cleanliness and righteousness and standing before God. Everything they do is a commitment to God. And they have been watching that and listening to them because these guys are the guys who know how to follow God, right? These guys are the ones who know what it means to be righteous. They are the ones who know what you should and shouldn't do. And so they have been watching them and admiring them and, and aspiring to be like them. The Pharisees are the standard for holiness, and they're, they've been watching that from the time that they were young. This is how they have been taught. Look up to the Pharisees. Follow their example. Do what they say. Then you will be righteous before God. And so then the disciples are going, ooh, ooh, ah, Jesus, Jesus, you, you, um, you're offending the Pharisees. You're offending the Pharisees. Like, today, we don't have the same kind of respect for people that they did back then. If, if we were to, to see somebody, like, stand up to a, a Pharisee-type person and really uh, rebuke them, we'd go, ooh, oh, no, you didn't just do that. But that's not what this was. This was a re respect your elders and those in positions of authority. And they are offended by what Jesus said. And so the disciples are coming to Jesus and they're saying, ah, Hey, Jesus, I don't know if you did it on purpose. I, I mean, you, uh, certainly you must have just accidentally done it. But when you corrected the Pharisees, they were offended. They are offended. When, when they are hearing that you're telling people that they can eat without clean hands, that is offensive to the Pharisees. So the disciples come to him and they said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Turns out Jesus knew. And he answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Every plant that my father has not planted is going to be rooted up wasn't that long ago that Jesus had been telling a parable of, of wheat and weeds. Where there is, in a field, uh, wheat is planted, but weeds are also sown, and those weeds grow up in among the wheat. And it's hard to tell what's going on, which, which is wheat and which is weeds at first. But the end of that parable is in the end it will be obvious which is which and the one will be harvested and the other will be uprooted and burned and now jesus is talking about the pharisees and he says they are weeds in god's garden they're weeds 
I know that you have looked up to them. I know that you have respected them. I know that you think that they are the most righteous of all people, but I want you to understand that they look like wheat and are weeds. They look like wheat, but they are weeds. They are going to be uprooted. Every plant that my Heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. So leave them alone. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Now, I grew up believing that the Pharisees were the bad guys. Right? Because I, I grew up, and in Sunday school, Jesus is always against the Pharisees. And so when I was growing up, the Pharisees were always the bad guys. But that's not how these disciples grew up. The Pharisees were the good guys. The Pharisees were the, the ones who gave you the example. They were the ones that we looked up to. And now Jesus is saying, nope, they are like blind guides. If you look to follow them, you're going to go in the wrong direction. You're going to end up in the ditch. You're going to end up in a pit. You're going to end up in destruction if you follow them because they don't know where they are going. They don't know where they're going. Have you ever been with somebody who didn't know where they were going? Sometimes you're traveling with them and they're leading the way. Are you sure you know where you're going? This doesn't seem right to me. Are you sure this is the right way? But you've never been there. Who are you to say whether or not you're going the right way? You've never been there. You don't know. Everything looks like the wrong way to you. But this person that you're with is convinced, no, I, I have been there a hundred times. It's been ten years, but I have been there hundreds of times. I know the way. And ten minutes later, are we close? Yeah. Looks a little different than I remember, but I'm pretty sure we're close. And 20 minutes later, are we close? Yep. Yep, we're close. And you begin to realize that this person that you are with does not know where they are going. They thought they knew. But if you were hoping to arrive at a destination that was the destination you had in mind, this is not the person who's going to get you there. These Pharisees are those kinds of guides. You follow along and they are acting as if they know where they are going. They are acting as if they know what they are doing. They are all working together and going, aren't we all going the right way? And they are all affirming for one another, yes, we are going the right way and doing the right thing. Isn't this how we stay clean before God? Shouldn't we like wash our hands or something? Oh yeah, we should definitely wash our hands. Okay, let's do that. Okay, okay, our hands are clean. Now we're clean before God, right? Yes, that's how we know our hands are clean. Should we do this every day? I don't know. Well, uh, Robert over there, he washes his hands every day. He does? Yeah, his hands are really clean. Well, let's all wash our hands every day then. Okay, now we're all, all our hands are clean every day. 
Maybe we should do it more than once because my hands get dirty every time I eat. So probably every time I eat, I should wash my hands. Yeah, that's me too. Okay, let's, yeah, we're all going to do that. And so they're all guiding each other to nowhere. They're all following each other's lead going, oh, does that seem more righteous? Does that seem more righteous? Oh, yes, this seems like a very righteous thing to do. That must be, that, this, oh, this, this is a new, sets a brand new bar for righteousness. And do you know that we have the same kinds of things that happen in the church or in Christian subculture, whatever that means, where we start to look around and go, what, what, what is holiness? What does that look like? What, is a, what does a good Christian do? How do I know if I'm a good Christian, if I'm doing the right things? And so we all try and fit in and look around and see, oh, is, is everybody else doing this? No? Okay, okay. Oh, I, uh, that looks good. I'll, I'll do one of those. I'll do like that. I'll dress like him. I'll act like her. And we start to do these things in, in thinking that that will somehow make us the right kind of Christian. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't follow people who don't know where they're going. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Should we do something about them? Should we yell at them? No, just, just leave them alone. When they, when they come to you and say, hey, don't you know this is how you're supposed to do it, just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Because they are blind guides. And so, Jesus, having explained this now, right, he has explained to everybody that it is not what you take into your mouth, but what comes out of your mouth, that's what makes you clean. And the, the Pharisees don't really know what they're doing or where they're going, so don't follow them, just leave them alone. So he's made all of this perfectly clear. It is all plain to everyone, and everyone gets it, except that not everyone gets it. Verse 15, but Peter says to him, can you explain this parable to us? When you were talking about that whole uh, food going into the mouth and coming out of the mouth, what were you talking about? And Jesus says to him in verse 16, Are you also still without understanding? Peter, I told you. When I said it's not what goes into the mouth that makes a person unclean, but what comes out of the mouth that makes a person unclean, what I meant was it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean, but rather what comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean. Which is why I said it. Sometimes I, sometimes I just see Jesus in my mind as a parent, saying the same things over and over again, going, I don't know how to say it differently. It's the same thing that I've been saying. But Peter, you still don't get it? Are, are you blind like the Pharisees that you don't understand the righteousness of God, the cleanliness of God? Are, are you not getting it still? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the, the stomach and then is expelled from the body. 
But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. This is what defiles a person. It's not what goes into the body. It, it, it's not the, see, the, the Pharisees thought that um, defilement was something that could happen to you. It was something that could happen to you. It was something that maybe you could accidentally get into. It was something that like getting, getting on your hands or getting it on your clothes. And so it was this thing that you had to make sure that you were clean and the people around you were clean so that if you accidentally bumped into the person next to you, hopefully they were clean because otherwise their uncleanness would rub off on you and you would be unclean. Like it was some kind of accident or something that, that might happen to you. Like you would be eating your peanut butter and jam sandwich and then you'd get the jam on your shirt and then you'd have this uncleanness about you because you dribbled jam on your shirt. And he's going, that's not what this is like. That's not what this is like. It's not what comes in. That's not what it is. It's what comes out. It's what are the inclinations of your heart. That's what makes a person unclean. You don't accidentally become unclean because something happened to you. You are unclean because the uncleanness of your heart, the filth that is in there comes out. You're unclean because the inclinations of your heart are wrong. And yet when I try and evaluate whether or not I'm clean, or when I talk with people about whether or not uh, they are clean, the first thing we think about is what are we taking in, right? What are we taking in? What are we, what are we doing? It, it, it must be something that I'm doing that justifies me, right? So I was thinking about some of the things that we might find that people around us justify themselves and say, this is, this is how I'm justified. There, there was a time where you were justified by your either wearing or not wearing a mask. You were justified by your taking or not taking a vaccine, depending on what group you were in. But it's not those things, it's not the diet that you eat, it's not the neighborhood that you live in, it's not the people that you hang out with, the books that you read, the news sources that you use, the movies that you watch, the TV shows, the music that you listen to. None of that stuff is going to make you clean or unclean. None of it. There are times when we might say, I want to cultivate my heart, and so I want to use these things to cultivate my heart. To be inclined toward God. But the stuff that was going in, coming from the outside, is not what made you clean or unclean. It was the inclinations of the heart. And we must not confuse those two things. 
Because what ends up happening otherwise is somebody says, I've been safeguarding my heart, and the way that I've been safeguarding my heart is I don't allow this kind of music to come into my ears. Because I find that when I listen to that kind of music, my heart is inclined away from God. Or somebody else says, I find that if I hang out with this type of a person, it inclines my heart away from God, so it is best for me and for my heart to be able to focus on God to not hang out with that person or with this group of people. But then we will start walking around like, blind gui- like those following blind guides and going, oh, okay, so what I need to do to be clean is I need to not listen to this music. Oh, what I need to do to be clean is not, not hang out with those people. Oh, what I need to do to be clean is to not listen to those news sources. Oh, what I need to do to be clean is... And we start making being clean and righteous before God this checklist of how to be a good Christian because I'm doing the right things and I want you to know you can do all the right things and not be a clean Christian. The Pharisees are a demonstration of exactly that. They are a demonstration of exactly that. It is not what comes in but what comes out. But what comes out of the mouth, this is verse 18, proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, These are the things that come out of the inclinations of the heart. These are the things that come out of the mouth. And Jesus is saying the same things that he's been saying over and over again. This is not new information to the disciples. They've heard this before in a very famous sermon. In the Sermon on the Mount. Way back, we're in chapter 15 of Matthew now. Way back in chapter 5. Way back in chapter 5, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. All the way back in chapter 5, he was telling his disciples, the Pharisees have it wrong. The Pharisees have it wrong. It's all about form. It's all about show for them, and there's no substance. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Again in verse 27, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away because it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. So when he's saying, look, the sin issue, guys, what makes you unclean is the inclinations of your heart and what comes out. Those evil thoughts, those, that murder, the adultery, the sexual immorality, the theft, the false witnesses, the slander, those things that are coming out of your mouth, those things that are coming out of the inclinations of your heart, those are the things that are making you unclean. Those are the things that you have to watch out for. Those are the things that you have to repent of. Those are the things that you have to check and say, God, take these inclinations away from me. Again, in, verse, in uh, chapter 12, he was saying the same things. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. It is not what comes in, it's what's coming out. It's what's coming out. These, he says in verse 20 of of, uh, Matthew 15, these are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So if it's not the stuff that comes in, if I can't just wall myself off from bad influences and say, okay, I'm just going to keep myself away from bad music and bad TV shows and bad movies and bad news sources and bad people and bad communities and bad everything else, and I'm just going to hang out with my Christian friends. We're going to like do life group, and then I'm only going to hang out with the people from my life group when they're on their good days. And I'm only going to go to Christian businesses and I'm only going to hang out with Christians and I'm only going to see Christians the whole time so that I'm not influenced by anybody else. And the inclinations of the heart are still there and what do we do? What do we do? Okay, Jesus... If I can't just protect myself from everything that might stain me and make me evil, if I'm threatened not by anything outside me but from within, what can I do? Well, in Ezekiel 36, God made this promise. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey all of my rules. 
You see, if the problem is that our stony hearts are inclined away from God and toward evil, then the only thing that can change that is if the heart itself is changed and transformed. And what God has said is, look, I am good and I am holy, but I am gracious and I am compassionate. And I see the inclinations of your heart are evil and inclined toward evil. And so I am going to change your heart. I'm going to remove your heart from you. I'm going to give you a brand new heart. And I'm going to put my spirit in you that will incline you toward me. which makes it sound all the more foolish that we have these checklists and rules about what righteousness looks like. As if we could just do all of the right things and then we would be righteous and clean before God. Hey God, I did it! I only listened to Christian music this week. And I listened to five sermons. Clean! And God says, no, I will make you clean. I will incline your heart toward me. And so on those days, at those times at which I feel like, God, I don't think I am ever going to get this right. He goes, yep, you're right. That's why you have my spirit within you. To incline you toward me. What a glorious God we serve. I mean, I I look at how awesome God is. His creative power in creating the whole universe, His making us in His image, His desiring to have relationship with us, and yet we still get it wrong. And this holy, awesome God, all-powerful, all-holy, pure, righteous, yet loves me and calls me his child and says, I'm going to put my spirit within you so that you will be clean before me. And how can he do that? What about the inclinations of my heart? What about the sin that I have already done? What is he going to do with that? Jesus is going to take care of that later in Matthew. Jesus, whose heart was always inclined toward God the Father. Jesus, who lived a perfect, righteous life, not in form, but in substance, would go to the cross and die on our behalf to pay the debt for our sins. And then say, now freely receive my spirit. Let's go to him in prayer and ask for that now. Lord God, we recognize that we cannot check off the list of righteousness and say that we have done it. In fact, Lord, we acknowledge that our hearts are disinclined toward following you. And so we ask, would you transform us 
Would you fill us with your Spirit? Would you incline our hearts toward you? Lord, I do pray that the people here would walk in righteousness. I pray that they would do righteous deeds. But Lord, I pray that it would come from within. That it would be out of a heart of wanting to serve and follow you. And not out of a heart of obligation or duty or performance. That we may never be confused that the outward showings are merely show and that what matters is that which is within. And so, Lord, I, I pray that even now you would reveal to us the inclinations of our heart, that those areas of our lives that are not inclined toward you would be apparent even right now that the Spirit would be at work convicting us, searching out our hearts and minds for those things that are impure and bringing them to light. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning that they might repent of those things and be cleansed by you, that they might stand clean before you delighting to be in your presence. And we ask for this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ.